You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. This morning, I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Joshua, chapter 5. Just reflecting on a message, and I was praying, Lord, what is the message that you want us to have as we approach this last and final Sunday of 2019? 2019. A lot of things have happened over over this year, and I, I believe this word will encourage you. Some of you have gone through hardship. Some of you are not actually past that hardship. It's still there. And you are still battling. And you've got battle scars. It is not the end of the chapter right now, 2019. It will continue to 2020. But I believe this word will encourage you and inspire you. Joshua chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 to 9 this morning. I'd like you to follow with me. I'm reading from the NIV version. The Bible says, Now, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan, and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over. Their hearts melted, and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. You've been fighting a battle this year. Some of you, most of you, have been fighting a battle this year. And you find yourselves battle-scarred and weary. But you haven't seen the enemy yet. (laughs) The Bible tells us that the enemy was demoralized. Their last and final act of defiance was the fact that the River Jordan was swollen at this time. It was the season where the river was at its highest peak and was difficult to cross over because the river flowed so quickly that you couldn't necessarily cross by foot. It would have been dangerous. It's precarious. And 1.2 million people trying to cross through a very flooded river is dangerous to say the least. So the people in the land, they were already scared Because they heard the reports of the Red Sea parting. They've heard the reports of the enemies that were scattered in front of the children of Israel. And they thought in this last and final act of defiance, at least we have the river to protect us. Even the river didn't protect them. So some of you are thinking to yourselves, I'm the victim here. I'm the one that's suffering. I want you to know there's an enemy out there (laughs) that is even more battle scarred and is terrified of you. Because God has promised you territory. God has promised you the next season and next level of advancement and growth. And what often happens is that we're so caught up and so busy with the missiles and the darts and the attacks of the enemy that we can't see the future ahead of us because we are simply in survival mode. We're just trying to survive today. We're just trying to survive this moment, and it takes our eyes off the prize. And the Lord promised that you would have a great inheritance. The Lord promised that you would prosper and that you would do well. The Lord promised that he would be with you every step of the way. And the Bible says, (laughs) along the coast, they'd heard about all these things, and then their hearts melted away when they found out that even the River Jordan could not keep the people of Israel out. 
they had no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. Go to verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. All the men in the room say, oh, oh, oh. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeah Ha'aroloth. So if you're wondering what a flint knife was, it wasn't a metal blade. It is stone. It is rock that they had to chip away to touch the nether regions of a man they should never see in broad daylight. And another man's going to be touching another man. They're going to be cutting. There's going to be some cutting going on, and they're using flint knives, rocks, to cut themselves. Interestingly enough, apparently, it was, uh, it was the, the cleanest that they could use, cleaner than an actual metal knife which is why God said, use a flint knife. <laughs> like it makes it any better, right? If you don't know what a circumcision is, go ask your mama or your dad, and they'll explain what it is to you. How many people don't know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what a circumcision is. <laughs> you probably talked about this in Connect Group, didn't you? You did. You did. <laughs> oh, God bless you, Bruce. You're going ahead of me. Verse 4. Now, this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the desert on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that came out had been circumcised out of Egypt, but all the people born in the desert during the journey from Egypt had not been circumcised. The Israelites had moved about in the desert 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they left Egypt had died since they had not obeyed the Lord. If you cannot obey the Lord, you will remain in the wilderness you're in and die in the wilderness you're in. I want to tell you, it is not God's will that you remain in the wilderness. It's only the disobedient that remain in the wilderness. Some of you are not getting this, and I hope you're getting this. Just turn to your neighbor next to you and say, Neighbor, God's talking to you right now. Time to wake up. Smell the flint knives. <laughs> They're coming. <laughs> this is an uncomfortable this is a comfortable message, isn't it, so far? <laughs> Moving on. For the Lord had sworn to them that they would not see the land that he had solemnly promised their fathers to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he raised up their sons in their place. I want to tell you, if you cannot understand how to obey the Lord, that destiny that was upon your life will be passed, that mantle will be passed to someone else. Po possibly a spiritual son, possibly your son or daughter, will take over the mantle you refuse to pick up. I remember one time in my min early ministry life, and I was praying, I, I, I heard this message from a 
pastor in a time of revival. And he said that when, when the Lord had spoken to him and said, I want you to take over the mantle. You're going to bring a major world revival that will come touch thousands of people on this planet. And he, he said to the Lord, he said, in that time he realized, he says, I'm not the first, am I? And the Lord said, no, you're not. How many other men had you seen or people had you seen before me? Five other people. Five other key leaders in the world were given the opportunity to bring in a major worldwide revival, and they refused to say yes. They would not obey the Lord. And so it came to the sixth man. And I wondered to myself, are we going to miss out on the destiny that God has spoken over your life, and it will bypass you, and you will die in your wilderness? If we don't pick up this mantle, we don't take authority over. Here's the thing. Our, our ceiling, the best we are ever going to do in our life, is actually going to be the floor for our kids. We're saying to our kids recently, I say kids, but you know they're, they're young adults now, most except for one. We're saying to them, we've paid the price. We have paid our tithes and offerings so that you never have to go without. We've sacrificed to the Lord. We have given so that you would prosper. Because when you sow, you are not just sowing for your life. You're sowing for the generation after you. When you make sacrifices such as you came today to worship the Lord in this place, what you have not quite, some of you have understood this, for others you haven't quite tweaked on this, good on you. Because you are setting an example and modeling for your kids the way to live life, to obey the Lord. That if they are to prosper in a new season in a promised land, they need to understand how to honor God first. And you did that this morning. Well done. So he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones Joshua circumcised. They were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. How long were they on the way? It wasn't just yesterday, 40 years. 40, 40 years, 365 days a year times 40. Those are the number of chances they had to circumcise. And after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. That word Gilgal comes from the Hebrew root word galal, which means to roll away. So I want to give you four key things that we need to grab from this. That if we are to take this message to set us up for a new season and a new day, 2020, I believe, will be one of the greatest seasons of your life. I've heard many prophetic words being spoken in my own spirit. I really feel that there's something different about this year. Now, you may hear pastors say this every year. Now, I genuinely feel there is something unique about this year. What's the Hebrew year? It's 5870. 5780. 5780 is the Hebrew year, an even number. There's something significant about this year, 240s, right? These numbers are important and significant to the Lord, and they're significant to us. So I believe 2020 will be one of your most significant years in your life. If you want to claim that, you just start clapping, saying, Lord, I want it. It's mine. The reason why we clap for some of the young ones is the Bible says that God told a prophet to prophesy, and as you prophesy, strike your hands together so that that word would be established. So as you see these adults who are clapping their hands, they're saying, I am grabbing hold of that promise. That's mine. I want it now. It's mine. I own it now. 
That's why we do that. That's why sometimes you see some of the adults saying, yep, you know, or they'll stand up, they'll point a finger at me. I've invited them to do that. So I want to encourage you. If you feel, man, that is a word for me. I want that word. Take it, okay? Receive it in Jesus' name. Here's four key things I want us to understand from this passage. Number one, as we prepare for 2020, number one, worship precedes war. Worship precedes war warfare we see it played in the bible multiple times that jericho which is going to be the next big battle that they'll enter into it was worship that preceded warfare you find that every time the people of israel began to give praise to the lord god couldn't help himself and he began to fight for his people take this and put it away because you will go through challenges this year 2020 i'll tell you why we'll keep going so the question i asked myself were why were the next generation of Israelite men not circumcised? We're simply told that they weren't. But I'm asking, why weren't they circumcised? Because it stands to reason that so Joshua, he came out of Egypt, so he was circumcised. Caleb was circumcised. The only two living men of military age who survived because they obeyed the Lord. But the entire generation that was with them, all of them died off. And I'm trying to picture what the atmosphere was like at that time. When they're seeing their fathers, their mothers, even their brothers who are slightly older, the previous generation, die ahead of them. Here's the other thing that was very interesting. Not only did they not circumcise that whole generation that was under military age and those that were born in the 40 years in that desert, but also, the Bible tells us, if you follow through the story, that they celebrated the Passover. They celebrated the Passover in that time while they were healing. And what's interesting and significant about that is that God commanded the people very clearly. If you've been to any of our Passovers, you know that I'll, I'll include this as part of what we teach. That God commanded his people, not just the Israelites. The Bible says this is, if you look at it, it was outside and before the law. He says, this is my Passover, God said. It's God's Passover, and you are to celebrate it for generations to come. They celebrated it when they were leaving the day. That was the very first one that started you know, year one or year zero at that point. And then they did it once in the desert, and that was it. So for 39 of the remaining years, they did not celebrate the Passover. They did not observe the circumcision. God says to circumcise your boy on the eighth day after they're born. Why the eighth day? Interestingly enough, the amount of blood in a boy's body is more than like double the amount of blood on the eighth day. So they actually lose no blood. They're completely healthy on that eighth day when they cut. And now, <laughs> because they disobeyed the Lord, you got all grown men about to be cut, cut with a stone knife, a flint knife. You know, at some point, it's going to catch up with you. When you keep putting the Lord back, when you keep dishonoring the Lord, when you keep disobeying the Lord, eventually it will catch up to you one way or the other. And so I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> before I start judging them and thinking to myself, you know, Joshua had to circumcise his own sons because he didn't do it. Caleb did not circumcise his own sons. It doesn't say any of them were circumcised. The entire generation that did not come out of Egypt, that were born in the wilderness, had to be circumcised because no one was doing it. And I asked myself, why did they not do it? 
And before you judge them too harshly, because immediately we like to take on in the story, in the narrative, we're the good guys. Of course I would have circumcised my son. Of course I would have obeyed the Lord. I mean, our rite of passage is the baptism in water. That's our rite of passage, right? But it's, it's really, uh, the Bible tells us it's always a circumcision of the heart. It's a heart issue that we're talking about here. But before you judge them, think about this for a moment. Have you followed the Lord in your journey with him in 2019? They didn't follow him for 39 years. They disobeyed the Lord. They did not keep the practice of Passover. They did not keep the practice of covenant of circumcision and whatever else they didn't do. But I want to ask you, have you kept up the practice of spending time with God in 2019? Have you been reading the word in 2019 on a regular basis? The Bible says daily manna. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And, and Teach spoke very eloquently on this one. She said that we cannot live on old manna, old bread. It has to be daily bread. Have you been reading the word daily in 2019? How is your prayer life? We have a growing prayer team online, which I'm so thrilled about. On a Tuesday, Thursday morning, we've taken a break starting in February. It's growing, but I, I still see many more people who will consider themselves a mature man or woman of God still haven't joined, it, joined us in that prayer room. 30 minutes of prayer, but I'm, we're praying for you. You know, I hope new ones get started up if the time isn't right. How is your prayer life? Perhaps we have similar reasons the Israelites had. I believe... Seeing so many people die, being told by the Lord, you are too old, you have disobeyed me, your whole entire generation is going to be wiped out, your children will go in, but you won't. That sets you up for an incredible amount of disappointment. You've been promised and promised and promised. Moses said, we're going to leave Egypt, enter the promised land. They saw 10 plagues happen. They crossed the Red Sea. They saw the manna fall. And now because of the disobedience, they will not enter the land. Disappointment sets in very quickly. They will never have a hope of entering in. Some of them simply gave up. They're biding their time until they die. If you've ever been into a retirement home, <laughs> the ones that survive, the ones that live, have a job to do. They're going around. My mother, she was going around room by room, preaching the gospel, praying for people, people who were dementia patients, she would visit them, and in a moment, they would receive their, they would actually come to their senses. She would preach the gospel, say the prayer, lead them in the sinner's prayer, and then they would pass into eternity. They're gone again, dementia, and then they die. Mom had that opportunity time after time, and so she kept going and going and go going. But for others, they're just biding the time until they die. They gave up. For others, it formed a bitterness and an anger against the Lord. Now, some of you may be able to understand what I'm talking about. You are experiencing this right now. There's a disappointment that's happened in your life. God has not answered your prayer, at least the way you think it should be answered. You are struggling in your journey, and you're becoming bitter. Perhaps another sister, another brother has hurt you, and this bitterness and anger has remained and has not left you yet. For others, it's an absolute apathy. I don't care anymore. I'm not going to go after it anymore. I'll do what I need to do, and that's enough. For others, it was an irrelevance anymore. They did not believe or trust the Lord at all. But the first act of Joshua, when they entered the promised land, wasn't planning their invasion. 
The first act of Joshua was not to attack the nearest town. That wasn't the instruction God gave them. The first act wasn't to find food, the milk and honey, and gorge themselves. Their first act was an act of worship to the Lord. It was an act of consecrating themselves and coming back to the Lord and recognizing, God, if we are going to survive this land, we better make things right with you, or else we will not survive. The people were discouraged with the people dying around them, but now is an opportunity for new things. And Joshua knew that the success of the people would be a right relationship with God. And so the first thing he wanted to do was an act of sacrifice, an act of worship before the Lord. Let me tell you, gentlemen, as an adult with a flint knife, that is an act of sacrifice before the Lord. It is going to hurt. And it took them days to heal. The Bible tells us a story prior to this of uh, Jacob and his sons when they were going uh, to the promised land. That as they were walking through, that they went to a town called Shechem, and a man called Shechem was there, the son of the of the leader, who took a liking to one of Jacob's kids, and he ends up doing the wrong thing by her, but he fell in love with her and wanted to marry her, and he and so he sent his leaders back to try and organize a marriage and a wedding, and the sons, the brothers of this sister, remember they were all half brothers, half sisters, the actual brothers and of this sister. They decided to do something just heinous. And they said, well, uh, you can marry into us, but you have to have circumcision like we do, and then we will freely marry among you. The Bible says, not days after they did that, while they were still recovering, they came through and annihilated and killed every man in that town. As a wicked, wicked thing to do. It takes a period of time for healing. For some of you, It's going to be an act of worship. Before you enter the promises, the next season God has for your life, it will require a sacrifice on your part to mark the day, to realign your heart with God once again. It requires sacrifice. It will make you vulnerable to attack like these men. (laughs) Imagine that. If the enemies had found out that they had circumcised themselves, they could have easily come through without barely a fight and killed all the Israelite army. They'd be done in one hit. But there's a trust factor. When they honored God through this, when they worshiped God through this sacrifice, God protected them. This is what I want you to understand this morning. God wants to be the first in your life. I I remember a day when I was a young man, God was not first in my life. We would go through these, I remember back in the day, Spiritual Emphasis Week, Missions Emphasis Week. We'd have a guest speaker come in, and they would share with us, and at the end, inevitably, they would come and give you this opportunity, an altar call. They would say, would you like to give your life 100% to Jesus? Would you like to give your life to Jesus? And for me at that time, it wasn't. I was willing to give 90%, but 10% I wanted to keep for myself. I did that because... I was scared. I was scared of what God would call me to if I completely sacrificed to Him. I don't know what you're scared of. Why you don't give everything to God. Maybe you're worried about your reputation. Maybe there is some sin in your life that you want to enjoy. That was me. And I wanted to keep that 10% for that sin in my life. And I didn't give myself completely to God. But God wants first place in your life. He will, if you make him your priority, he will make your life his priority. First in your time, 
first in your marriage and family life. First in your business. He wants to be first in your finances. He wants to be first in your major decisions. And yet in each of these areas, often the church, we compromise. We give some, but not all. Can I challenge you in this new season? Sacrifice it all. If you honor him and make him first in your life, he will make your life his first priority. How can God be Lord of your life when you live your life for yourself? Either he's Lord of all or not at all. Here's the second key thing I want you to take from this passage. You can't carry old mindsets into new paradigms. Do you know what a paradigm is? It's a big word. Paradigm is a way of thinking. It's your worldview. It's your perspective on life. It is affected by your heart and how it sees it. If you've been hurt as a child, you've had a terrible father, you're going to look at men, you know, and, and father. In fact, as a father, you're probably doing the exact same things your dad did. You hated it, but you're doing the exact same things. It's our perspective and our paradigm that God wants to heal. But you can't carry old mindsets into the new paradigm, the new level God has for you. The old things have to pass away to make way for the new. Let me explain it this way. It's like when God brings you into a new season, you're going to have a whole new set of enemies. That stuff that you fought in 2019, you thought they were big? Wait till 2020 comes. When God gives you a promise and he says, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. The grapes, the Bible says in the, when the 12 spies came back, they carried grapes back, and one yield, they had to carry a stick between them. It was so heavy. Two men had to carry one, just one lot of grapes. That's how big the grapes were and how big the vine was. Crazy big. But not only were the grapes big, but the people were big. So it's like when you try and bring an old mindset, an old paradigm into a new challenge, new situation, it's like bringing a sword to a gunfight. Let me give it another way. I remember early in the day, uh, when we first moved to Australia, we had a family car. We all lived together, our family. And uh, I, I needed the car. I was driving to work during the week. I got to borrow it, which is great. But the weekends, someone else in my family got to drive it. And, this pr and every time I went to pick up the car on Monday, the gas is empty. It's gone down to nothing. And finally had a chat with this person, this family member. I said, why is it <laughs> every time I pick up the car on Monday, it's empty? Well, a bus only cost me this much, so why should I pay more for fuel for the car? She was trying to take a different mindset of traveling on public transport and use it in a on a personal vehicle. This is luxury, being able to travel, go wherever you want, whatever you want, your own timetable, but it comes at a cost. It is going to be more expensive than the bus. But this particular family member was taking an old mindset into a new situation, and it didn't work. And I want to challenge you with that. Are you willing to pay the price for the better things that God has for you? This is a, this is a big one I want to ask you right now. Some of you have been praying, God, I want more. God, I want a promotion. And God is saying to you, are you willing to pay the price? Someone this morning, God bless you, sis. That's great. Someone was saying this morning in prayer, as we were sharing, they said, the higher the level, I think it was Ben, the higher the devil. The higher the level, the higher the devil. And I, used to, and I know people who are scared of that. They're thinking, they're saying, oh, I don't want to face that, so I'm just going to stay safe in this ledge that I'm used to. But I want to challenge you with this fact. It's actually an honor when you have a higher devil coming against you. It's because you're at a whole new level. 
whole new level. You got to give a hand to the Lord for that. Get excited about these things. So Joshua saw the fault in his first generation's attempt to take the land. The people of Israel, this is the reason why, they were continuing to think like slaves. They were influenced by the foreign gods of Egypt, and they, follow, and they followed that foreign religious ways. The Bible tells us the moment Moses was away for 40 days and nights, the people are screaming out to Aaron saying, make us our own God. Make us an idol. And he made them a golden calf because that's what they were used to worshiping. They were not, worship, not used to worshiping an unseen God. They could not get out of their head this slave-like mentality. And some of you will relate to this. I want you to understand this. This is how a slave is different from a man born free. A slave lives in the moment, but a free man looks to a future. A slave, you got this one, a slave works to survive the day, but a free man works to enjoy the fruit of his labor. A slave works the land, but free men work to own the land. There's a difference. Some of you are acting like slaves. You are living hand over fist, week after week, paycheck to paycheck, never getting ahead. Some of you are struggling in your relationships, in your married life, and you're, and you're pulling your hair out saying, is this the way it's going to be? I guess this is as good as it gets. I guess this is as good as it is. But I want to tell you, God has better. God has better. You need to take this in. The people of Israel, this is the thing, God wasn't pleased with them because they kept not believing what he was telling them. Twelve spies came back heavy laden, yet ten of them complained. Only two had the faith to believe we can do this. They were living moment to moment, meal to meal in survival mode and failed to see the bigger picture that the hand of God never failed to look after them. They always had enough to eat. They always annihilated and destroyed their enemies, no matter how big they were. Have you ever asked the Lord, speak to me, Lord, and tell me something new that I need for today? How many people ever said that prayer? Speak to me, Lord, and tell me something new for today. For many of you, the Lord says, I can't give you any more than you can handle. You haven't done the first thing I spoke to you last time. How about you do that first, then I'll give you the next thing. I want to challenge you as you are thinking about and reflecting on this year. Consider some of the hardships you went through. Some of them are common and keep coming back. You're going around the wilderness. The same problem keeps coming back to bite you in the backside over and over. And you've not changed. You've not had a new paradigm. You've been in the old paradigm fighting the same enemy over and over, never getting victory. I believe the Lord is going to relieve you of that enemy this year. 2020 is going to be a different year in Jesus' name. Let me give you two more quick things. Number three, faith is necessary to enter the next level. Why is faith so important? Because everything is big in the promised land. When God gives you promises, they're always bigger than what you have now. Otherwise, you wouldn't hope for it. You wouldn't care. It's always better. It's always bigger. The fruit is big. The crops are big. But the people are big. And if you want the next big thing, I want to ask you, are you prepared to fight for it? You want a promotion, but have you worked to the best of your ability in the job you have now? 
You want a new car. You want a new dress. You want a new house. But have you learned to save money and stick to a budget? You want to bless life. You want to prosper in your home. But have you looked after God's house? What you learn from your past will take you into your future. The enemies that God gave you in the wilderness was a practice to strengthen you for the giants you're about to overcome in the new land. Amen? Let me give you one final and last one. The promised land must be won in battle. Some of you want God to hand you that new stuff. God, just give it to me. Give me the new job. And God says, have you worked hard where you're at? God, I want you to change my wife. Yeah, but have you honored your wife? You need to understand that you have to fight for the things that you value. That's what makes them valuable. You're willing to sacrifice everything to get that thing that you love the most. With new situations comes a new set of challenges. Think about this for a moment. The army of Israel had no weapons when they came out of Egypt. They had the tools that they used as slaves. For some, it was farming equipment, hoes, and some were sickles. For others, it was a hammer and a chisel. For others, it was a pen and pencil, or <laughs> what did they use back in the day? Styluses. That's all they had. They had tablets back then. But they were not army tools. They were not warfare tools. And so you can imagine how scared they were. But here's the thing. Because God is on your side, if you're willing to do the things he asks you to do, you're going to take the simple weapons and do the most extraordinary things with them. He will give you the job, even though there are more qualified candidates. He will open doors of opportunity you didn't even think possible. God has a way of enlarging your territory in such a way that you never imagined you would get there. But first, he must be Lord in your life. Why don't we stand to our feet as we close this message this morning. The Bible says that Gilgal, this was the place that God rolled the reproach of Egypt off of them. The disobedience of an entire generation for 40 years was rolled away in a single act of sacrifice, sacrificial worship, one act of worship, Gilgal became a place of cleansing, of reassigning the right priorities, God first, and setting things right in the children of Israel. Later, this same place would become significant. Gilgal was a place where the prophet Samuel lived. Gilgal was a place where Saul was made king. And Gilgal was a place where they had the school of the prophets. But let me finish this with one story. Sadly, Gilgal was also the place where Saul first disobeyed God. He compromised in his instructions, and he partially obeyed God. And it cost him the kingdom. Up to that point in time, God took a nobody, propelled him into the spotlight above everyone else, fought every battle for him. He won every battle, and at the height of his fame, his pride got to him. I want to challenge you this morning. As God takes you into a new season in 2020, God's going to bless you. But he's going to test your heart through success. He'll give you the job, but will you honor him with your job? 
He will give you the finances. He will give you that house. But will you honor God with your wealth? Will you honor God with your time? Will you honor God with your talent this morning? Why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes? Father, we dedicate ourselves to you this morning, declaring that 2019 was a good year. Through every hard season, it was a good season. Because, Lord, we needed that battle to prepare us for 2020, for the next level ahead of us. Father, I pray that as a church, none would be left behind. None would die in that battlefield. None would die in the wilderness. But I ask, Father God, that this would be a time, Lord God, where you will take an entire church and propel us into a new season. I pray, Father God, for breakthroughs individually, Lord, in marriages, in relationships, in jobs, promotions, in, in the purchasing of houses and land, in succeeding in education, Lord. I pray in all areas, success, success, success. Father, I release life and health upon your people that we may live long in the land and prosper in the name of Jesus. Thank you for joining Life City Church. And we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.